0: Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today we have Ellen Elizabeth who is joining us. She is an infertility warrior and recovery advocate who uses her skills as an author and sober mother of twins to coach women struggling with feelings of shame and inadequacy. These mothers feel powerless to quit drinking or unable to bring a child into the world. Through radical honesty and recovery principles, Ellen inspires moms and their partners in all forms to define who they want to be and transform their demons into dreams. Today's topic is going to be from forgiveness to self-love. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you very much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and I can't wait for the listener to hear our conversation. I think they'll really love it.
0: Oh, that's gorgeous. I, I really do too. So let's start with my first question. Are you Do you have in mind the few big events in your life that shaped who you are today? Typically the struggle into blessings.
1: Of course. Absolutely. So I started when i was a teenager i struggled with drug addiction and it started with my boyfriend at the time we met at church ironically and dated for several months before realizing that he was a drug addict so he introduced me to very hard drugs and because i was in love with him i thought that i was supposed to do everything he wanted me to do to keep him happy i totally changed who i was in order to please him and I was terrified of being alone and being without him because I just thought I had the wrong vision of what love was supposed to be so we did drugs for about three and a half years together
0: that's
1: a lot yes so from there I was able to quit drugs I broke up with him and I simply switched my addiction to alcohol and for the next About 12 to 13 years, I was struggling with an alcohol addiction. So things just progressively with addiction get worse and worse over time. And by the time I was married and in my early thirties, my husband and I decided we wanted to start a family and we tried for a year. Naturally, that's how long you're supposed to try without trying infertility treatments. And we realized it wasn't working. And we did start our infertility journey at that point, I was still drinking heavily and the infertility diagnosis actually escalated my drinking even more because I was blaming myself for being infertile. I felt shame, inadequate guilt, and these feelings just made me drink more which made me feel worse anxiety and worse guilt. And so it was a vicious cycle of addiction mixed with my infertility. Wow. So So, yeah, yeah.
0: that is an abusive and toxic relationship for sure. Even if it was not with a person from what I understand of your story.
1: Correct. It was with substances. Wow. They definitely were toxic. So what happened
0: What happened? At at one point in life, you had a a, a switch. Something has happened because today you are sober, today you are helping others. So sometime you have stopped this behavior. What happened and and what did you do?
1: There were several things that led up to it. Obviously, drinking that heavily for so many years, there were quite a few negative negative incidences. That occurred um, that should have been a wake-up call, but they weren't at the time because I wasn't ready to stop drinking. So even during our infertility treatment, um, we I knew I was drinking too much, but I was terrified to stop. And I knew that if I did get pregnant, I don't, I didn't think I'd be able to stop. So I was terrified of having an unhealthy baby because of my addiction. And I kept drinking heavily and more and more negative things started to happen. And finally, after a long week of drinking over a bottle of vodka every night, I had to continue drinking in the morning because I felt so shaky and I just need, I felt that I needed it. Like we were just talking about. Um, and I was drunk by 12 o'clock in the daytime at work, knew I would be fired if anyone found out. And I had to call my husband to come pick me up. And I had to sneak out of the office before anyone saw me. And I passed out in the car on the way home. But the the last thing I said to him was, I think I need to go to rehab. So that moment, was just the switch. It had just been escalating for so long and I'd known it was a problem for so long. And I knew if I wanted to actually have the family I'd always dreamed of that I needed to quit drinking. So that was the last day I had alcohol.
0: Oh, and that was the last day. Okay, so that was easy over the top too much. Correct. All right. And that was 15 years after having started this addiction. Yes. But there there is one moment in time, and you never know in advance what and why, but there is one moment in time when enough is enough. Mm -hmm. When the pain of recovering seems to hurt less than the pain of continuing that behavior.
1: Correct, right.
0: It's the same with abusive relationship with people. It's exactly the same dynamic. You just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And one day it's like, it's too much. Mm -hmm. And actually it's going to hurt less to break free. Even if it seems, when you are inside, it seems like it's hell on earth if you do not stay there. (laughs) But it is wrong. It is a lie. It is a, 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 a perspective from a place of fear.
1: Exactly. I was just going to bring up fear. Go ahead. I'm glad you did that. It was my addiction throughout the 15 years was either fear of losing the boyfriend, fear of not being fun anymore, fear of losing my drinking life, fear of losing friends and fear of getting sober. I was terrified. I couldn't imagine going one day without drugs or alcohol. And I did use alcohol every day. Um, from the moment I quit doing the drugs. So it was a habit. It was what my body felt like it needed every night at five o'clock. It was, you know, my body depended on it or else or else I went in withdrawals. and then it went into my infertility and I was scared of even having a baby. but that's really all I was trying for. So it was very confusing and conflicting emotions and I didn't know how to deal with any of it, so I just kept using. And then the fear kicked in really hard the day after I told my husband I had to go to rehab because I knew I was actually going. I knew that a few days later I would be in rehab and I knew I wouldn't be able to drink anymore. I knew I wanted to stop, but I was still terrified of actually going through it. And um, it's just, I didn't know what to expect in rehab. I didn't even really think through everything. To me, it was just day by day. I didn't think of the future. I just knew that I had to stay sober that day. And that's what I tried to do from the beginning.
0: Yeah, baby steps, one day after another. When you take it baby steps after baby steps, another hour, another six hours, another 12 hour, another night, it adds up. It does. And when it adds up, then you start to create new neuronal pathway and you start to create a new storyline in your mind
1: mm-hmm. exactly
0: yeah it's the same with domestic violence you know when we leave I did leave in the middle of the night okay and I had no freaking idea where to go I had no destination, no plan, no nothing. I had no money, no phone, no, I I didn't even take my children with me. It's like, oh, I was just, I was not sure between saving my life and taking my life away. It was really like, "Hmm, you know what, both are good. (laughs) When you think about that, it's like, okay, but that also meant it was too much, Mm -hmm. really too much.
1: It just reaches that point
0: exactly, and indeed, same, same than for you. The three first weeks, at least, and then a little bit less, and, and then less and less and less over the mm-hmm. months. That's what well. I thought. But the three first weeks fear, guilt, shame, responsibility, the promise, breaking the promise, feeling inadequate. Oh, all, all, all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that was going super, super fast. And I don't know, three or four or five times, I tried to go back to my former life because I still had an ex-husband who was absolutely wanting to get me back in. So it was like, I mean, it's the same with drug and alcohol. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you feel the pull, it's like, wow.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's a strong pull sometimes. It is
0: a very strong pull and the pull really, gets to your strengths of all these negative emotions that you are carrying with you. Mm-hmm. Because these are the one that makes you desiring to answer positively to the request, to the pool.
1: Correct, yes, absolutely. It's, it's very like...
0: interesting to see the, 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 the similarities.
1: Mm-hmm. It is an it abusive
0: is. and toxic relationship, it is.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah, alcohol or drugs, they were my best friend you know? I hate I, I to hear that. Right. <laughs> hear it was that. like a breakup. It was. It is. Breaking 80s. up with my best friend.
0: Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you realize how good you feel to not have this pressure on you anymore. Yes. To become mm-hmm. you, to choose who you are, to turn your demons into dreams.
1: Yes. Exactly. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Yes. So from forgiveness to self-love, How did you come into contact with the idea of forgiveness?
1: So we, um, well, I do recovery programs. um, So that includes Alcoholics Anonymous. It includes sober communities. It includes going to meetings that aren't related to AA. I just dive into anything. I think you can recover in many different ways. There's not just one way. And part of a recovery program is to take certain steps to continue to stay sober. So one of the steps I was taking was writing out a resentment list, because resentments are often things that'll lead you back to drinking or using. That is an actionable steps. How, exactly. So when you write a
0: resentment list, That is an amazing advice, a resentment list. So basically you list everything you resent, everybody you resent, every situation
1: you resent. So mine went back my whole entire life. Um, You know, it said, I resent so-and-so from second grade because they called me this and I never got over it. And so you really have to dig deep to it. But the really eye-opening piece for me was I was number one on my list. I resent myself of my resentments. I resented myself more than anything else. And that's when I realized you need to forgive yourself before anyone else. And even before the, the boyfriend that got me into drugs, cause he was number two on my list. And I, I just was like, Whoa, this is something I have to do for me. And I need to forgive me before I can move forward. So that's the first time I noticed that I was involved, you know, I had a part in all of it, but in my addiction, I was blaming everyone else. I was like, he got me into drugs. My family did this, even though my family was great and supportive and I had a great childhood, but you find anyone to blame. And for a while, you know, I was like, it's my husband's fault because he drinks too. And just anyone, he doesn't drink alcoholically, but we would drink together at night. And I was just like, well, he has a problem because he has two drinks. And really I was having like eight. Um, so (laughs) you find anyone to blame. And just that that moment that I realized I was number one on my list and I needed to forgive myself first was really powerful. Very powerful. And I believe
0: forgiving is one step which is already a huge release mm-hmm. because then you release your grip on everything that doesn't work, on negativity, on everything that hurts. Yes. And now how to go to self-love, which is a totally different ball game. It's not even, it's on the prolongment of forgiveness, but self-love, you go, in another area there.
1: Right. That happened. It's happened a few times in my sobriety. There were times that I wasn't loving myself and it showed, um, you know, I was acting out. I was getting angry. I was not present as a mother and I, it was kind of, so I have twins now. We were able to, um, continue our journey with infertility and we ended up doing IVF. So we did have twins three and a half years ago. And I immediately learned what it's like to unconditionally love something when they were born. Um but there were times when I wasn't taking care of myself. And like I said, it it made me feel not present as a mother, like I wasn't embracing and enjoying time with my family. And I really came to a realization that I need to take care of myself before I can take care of others. I've always been a people pleaser. I've wanted everyone to look at me a certain way, to see me as a certain person. I've wanted to make them happy in any way I can, whether or not that means completely changing myself like I did for the boyfriend. And when I was caring more about, other things rather than myself is when I started kind of going back into that depression and anxiety and I was triggered all the time. I was close to drinking and I really realized that since I didn't love myself first, I wasn't able to truly love those around me. That is true. That is truly true.
0: I I got to that realization a few years ago on New Year's Eve, it was a, a, a such a big realization because that day, instead of just going celebrating and doing like fireworks and everything, we, we had all of that. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was at the beginning of the um, just before, actually, the, uh, the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I was simply going through all my clutter of the year, all my also mm-hmm. notebooks all that I did write down and all that I just like piled up Mm -hmm. like crazy and I saw something I wrote a few years before that moment in time and it was something about I will keep on building because you know it hurts so much and, and I really want to stop hurting so that I can finally experience the life of my dream and and I and and you could see such anxiety such acknowledging the lack such uh, no self-love mm. and building that and thinking so basically what you are writing there is that you keep on building and this is basically what you do though it does not really grow because you keep on sabotaging at the same time so it's like build sabotage build sabotage build sabotage and keep that emotion and then suddenly it was so it dawned on me like how do I want someone else meaning my husband to love me Mm -hmm. if I do not love myself. Exactly. And I have the most loving, adorable, extraordinary husband I could ever dream of. And I mean, he has this real love that we all crave. Right. But in order to experience it, you have to love yourself completely as much as your husband does. Right. And maybe more.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And it's like, oh okay so if I want to have a loving relationship with you a real true love the way I dream about it I shall love myself first and he said yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) (laughs) welcome to
1: life come over (laughs) yes (laughs) wake up (laughs) exactly oh god and it's great for me because my husband is very similar and he's very supportive and compassionate and shows that love. Unlike previous loves that I've had and he gives me the time I need now to love myself. So I go, you know, every Saturday, every Monday, every Thursday, I go to meetings for my recovery. I do yoga and he gives me time to do workouts and yoga and meditation. And it's not like he, I need permission or anything, but with twins it's kind of hard to find time for these things
0: you have to organize things around yes
1: (laughs) exactly even just this morning I was like can I have 30 minutes to do yoga before you go to work and he sat with the kids and did stuff with them so it's been it's Mm. great to have that support system whatever you're going through that's absolutely amazing well I think that conversation is
0: going to help Writing a list of resentment, I think that is a crucial step to becoming aware of our negative patterns, negative beliefs, resentment, and how much we blame yes. others and things.
1: Exactly. So part of the process is writing the why you resent that person okay. and what they did to you to make you resent them that way but then to look at your part in the whole situation. So was it my self-esteem that I, you know, I had low self-esteem. So I stayed with this boyfriend, even though he treated me terribly, my ego is in the way. Sometimes it's for money. For me, it was for drugs. There's just many reasons that you're in that place and you need to see your part in it to truly see what you can work on for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for these okay. absolutely actionable steps that our listeners can take for themselves to start their journey toward freedom. Yes. Because life after abuse and toxic is freedom, is amazing. It may hurt sometimes, but the hurt is so much less than the hurt of staying with the toxic relationship.
1: Absolutely. It's just really hard to get there.
0: It is. And it's okay.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And knowing that others have gone before you, and actually it hurts less than the imaginary hurts that we think we may experience. And realizing that, you know what, it hurts less, but you're going to survive. Right. You're going to go through and you're going to get victorious on the other side. I know it hurts. Breathe through it that too shall pass,
1: awesome. <laughs> that too shall pass. Well,
0: sometimes a so... couple of minutes, sometimes a couple of hours, or a couple of days, but it's not forever. Right. And if you stay in the toxic and abusive relationship, it might take forever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So then you yeah. choose which heart do you want? One that stops or one that never stops?
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Especially knowing like...
0: that it's like super wonderful afterwards. Right.
1: Exactly. I would look in the mirror and say, Ellen, you're going to die with this disease or you're going to have to quit. And at those moments, I wasn't ready to quit. So I just kept drinking, but I knew eventually I would have to stop if I wanted to have a good life. Mm -hmm. And so once I got there, you know, it is really hard at the beginning. It's still hard five and a half years later. I still have moments, but Mm -hmm. I know. I know what I need to do now, and Mm -hmm. I just have to be the one to take action.
0: Mm. By love, yes. You just you just plug into love.
1: Exactly, this is a power. Mm. It really is, and it's after 15 years of, like you said, sabotage and self loathing. Mm -hmm. It's a really good feeling. It feels right. (laughs) That's beautiful.
0: Thank you, Ellen, for being in the show. Thank you for showing yourself and and sharing your story and inspiring others. Yes, there is a life after and a good one.
1: Yes, it does get better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you you so, so
1: much. I've had a great time. Thank you.
0: I'm happy about that.